morning, everyone. Uh, just for those of you who are perhaps uh, new with us today, uh, my name is Pastor Nick, uh, and we're in part two of a sermon series uh, on the Holy Spirit, uh, which we started last weekend and which leads up until Sunday, the 28th of May, uh, which is Pentecost Sunday. Um, please do feel free to uh, follow along the message in the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, if you point your phone at that QR code up there, it'll open up the YouVersion Bible app, and then you can jump in there and you can make notes. Uh, it's got the major headings and the major Bible passages we're looking at today. Uh, and you can save that and then go back to that in future and use that for future reference uh, if you want to. Now, we opened last weekend with the person of the Holy Spirit, didn't we? Uh, we looked at his person, and I showed you a pretty freaky little video that my son George took of a kind of twister of winds that kind of came along on the 8th of August 2022 at Limitless Festival uh, and whisked up loads of tents in the air. Um, and it was quite a sort of a, a prophetic kind of sight because that evening, uh, Limitless Festival, we're going to do an encounter for uh, an encounter with the Holy Spirit for around 3,500 young people. Um, and it seemed like a great way to introduce the series uh, because it, it felt like a bit of a, a, a gift from the Holy Spirit. Um, now, if you missed that, uh, please do feel free to catch up on our YouTube channel. You can watch that uh, on Catch Up. Uh, and we looked at the Spirit's personhood, the fact that he is a person uh, of God uh, in his own right, alongside God the Father and Jesus the Son, and that the three of them make up the three persons in one God. And I asked you a question last time, if you had to come up with five icons to describe who you are, like to summarize what, what you're like, um, uh, you know, maybe your fitness or, you know, your business or your marriage or something like that. Um, uh, and, then, and then we transferred that across to what are the five icon or, or pictures or, or watercolor sketches that the Bible gives us about the Holy Spirit. And there are five of them, and it was oil, wind, fire, dove, and gift, and, uh, and the Bible presents the Holy Spirit in, in such, such a sort of picture language to help us get a bit of a sense of the different aspects of his character uh, and who he is. Now, this morning, I want to open up with a little bit of an illustration. When I was at university in the late 80s studying English literature, in my first year, um, I think it was in ninth, autumn 1986, uh, I stayed in some halls of residence uh, in Southampton, in Southampton University, and that was my first year. And then in the second year, I decided to get together with four of my friends and that we were going to go and rent a house. Um, that, this is quite a pattern that students quite often do. The first year they have halls, second year they go off and rent a house together and there were five of us and we found a house in what was, what's called, it might still even be called this to this day, the Flower Estate. And this was a housing estate next to the halls of residence and it was called the Flower Estate because all the different roads in the, in the estate were named after different flowers. And we found a house on Bluebell Road. Uh, and we went in, it was a student house, we could let it out, and it had five bedrooms. Um, there were four upstairs, the little bathroom and loo, and then downstairs, the dining room had been converted to make another bedroom. You know, the landlord was looking to maximize the rent, I think. Um, and then we had a, a kitchen and a, a, a lounge area. Um, and so it's sort of standard student digs, really, uh, that we'd got. And it wasn't the best house in the world, but nor was it the most rubbish. It was kind of middle of the road, and it was great for us as students to manage it. Um, uh, now, this landlord was quite an enlightened guy, though, because he was one of the first landlords to have a combi boiler. Um, hands up here if you've got a combi boiler in your house. You'll kind of know what it might be. It's the thing that kind of starts up when you turn on the hot water um, or you turn on the heating. Now, he had a combi boiler, and it was one of the first ones. And this combi boiler had a little kind of little spy hole in it. And um, you could look through the little spy hole in, into the innards of the combi boiler, and you could see 
if the pilot light was on. The pilot light was like a little flame of gas that just sat there burning away. Uh, and you could look inside and you can see if it was on. And if it wasn't on, which occasionally it wasn't, you could press a little starter button. And the little starter button had a bit of resistance to it. And then suddenly it clicked past the resistance and it produced a little spark, which then lit the pilot light. I can still feel it to this day. It's like a, a little metal starter button. You'd press it and it would go click and there would be a spark appear. And then you'd look through the little hole again and you'd say, ah, oh, great, the pilot light is back on. Now, the pilot light didn't go out that often, but that was the solution that the landlord recommended to us. So we had this boiler, and of course, in normal usage, when you switch the hot water on, or you have a shower, or you run a bath, the burners come on, don't they? I don't know what it's like in your house when, when, the, when the boiler kicks in, but there's like a, a whoomph sound, isn't there? Like a rush sound, and then like, it's like a machine starts up, and the burners are going, aren't they? And you're getting all this heat and energy uh, being kind of pumped into the system by the gas burners. And the water is going round, and it's getting warmed up in the boiler. And it's heading off to its destination, the shower, you know, the washing up, whatever it is you need the boiler for. I want to open with this illustration because it's an excellent illustration of the difference between being born again and being baptized in the spirit. What I want you to try and imagine is that when you are first saved, when you first make that decision to follow Jesus with your life, that is like the pilot light being lit on the inside of you. That's like you've got a little pilot light, which, which we would call being saved or being born again. Um, and so the day that you make a decision to follow Jesus, uh, that's the day when you or someone else perhaps, or, or, you, or you're prompted to press that starter button, a little spark jumps across the gap and a pilot light is lit. And it's like the pilot light of the world. You know, the light, Jesus is the light of the world and he comes to take up, by the agency of the Holy Spirit, he comes, up to, uh, he comes to take up residence inside your spirit with you. Uh, and that's a very good illustration of what it means to accept and receive the Lord Jesus. That's what it means when we get, when we get born again. You have a pilot light of the Lord Jesus on the inside of you burning away. And if we could somehow open up lots of you who've decided to receive Jesus and get a little spy hole into your soul we would see a little flame flickering there, and that would be the flame of the Lord Jesus because you've accepted him into your heart, and he's the person that you want to follow for the rest of your days. That's what that means. Now, if we then want to talk about baptism in the Spirit, baptism in the Spirit is not just that you have the pilot light on the inside of your heart uh, flickering away. Uh, for some reason or another, the power is needed. There is power needed in your life, and so the burners turn on, and there's a whoosh, and all this heat and energy is suddenly available for you to do the things that you need to do in the kingdom of God. You have boldness. You get gifts. You get uh, supernatural powers with your gifts. Uh, there, are, there are things that you can do because you're filled with the spirit that you wouldn't be able to do in your kind of more normal humdrum state, if we can put it like that. And so that's the difference between being born again, which is pilot light, and being baptized in the spirit, which isn't just pilot light, is you've got all the burners going because there's a need for you to build the kingdom of God. And, and the Holy Spirit's calling upon you uh, to exercise that need. And then so you get filled up with the spirit. I hope that that's an illustration uh, that really, really helps you. Um, the Bible describes the pilot light idea as being born again. Uh, but the Bible describes the sort of the burners coming on as being baptized in the Spirit. 
Um, now, uh, the, 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 my message today is called Born and Baptized, as you can see from the, from the screen. Uh, and we're looking at what those two things mean. And the passage we heard Reuben read out for us comes from a time when a devout non-Jew, so this is a guy that's not a Jew at all, in fact he's a, a Roman centurion I think, um, called Cornelius, has, he's a very God-fearing guy, he gives his tithes and offerings, he prays to God, and he has a vision of an angel who asks him to send for a disciple called Simon Peter, and we know who Peter is, uh, and, and the purpose of, that, of sending for him is so that Peter can tell him about Jesus. Now at the same time as that, Peter has a vision of um, a cloth coming down from heaven and all kinds of foods being permitted on it to be eaten. And that was a change from what the Jews were allowed to do because they had certain restrictions uh, on what they're allowed to eat. But, but this, in this vision, that's no longer applicable. Uh, and, and so it's, it's like a, a, there's a broadening of what's permitted. Uh, and in essence, we as Christians take our cue from that. That means, you know, pork is all right. You can have bacon, people. This is good. This is good news. You know, bacon sandwiches, all that, that's great. Um, so the, the width and the capacity of what's permissible to eat is much wider than the Jewish regulations would uh, say. Uh, so that's the first part of the vision. And then the, the, guests, the, sorry, the visitors arrive from Cornelius' house to take Peter uh, with them to Cornelius's house, and he visits Cornelius's house. And at first, Cornelius is thinking, "Oh, I need to worship this man." But Peter says, "No, no, no, no! Don't do that. Let me tell you about the person of Jesus." Uh, and he does do that, um, and he starts to talk about the person of Jesus. As we heard Reuben reading there, and as they're listening, Cornelius and his household all get saved. They become followers of Jesus in their hearts. Uh, and effectively, you know, the pilot light gets turned on. A spark happens. Some, you know, Peter's message presses the button. The spark happens. The pilot light gets turned on. And it's not like in a kind of maybe a formal way where we might do it like where we get, excuse me, where we get you to say the sinner's prayer or something like that. Sorry to make you jump. Um, we are working on that, by the way. That interference is the subject of an awful lot of work. I just want to point that out. Um, uh, the spark gets lit, lit. And all of those people decide, um, yes, we want to follow Jesus in Cornelius' household. Yeah, I'm, I'm good for it. If it happens again, I'll, I'll pick it up. Just leave it there. Thanks, Kev. Thank you so much. Um, what then also happens is they get filled with the Holy Spirit. And so there's a two-step sequence. As, uh, Cornelius is, uh, sorry, as Peter is speaking, Cornelius and his household respond to who Jesus is in their hearts. The, the pilot light gets lit. They get saved. They become born again. And then, very, very soon after that, within seconds even, the Holy Spirit arrives. And the burners get turned on. The, 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 like the boiler of their faith is like straight on and ready to go. And they get gifts and they're filled with the Spirit. Um, and I think, this, I think Acts 10 is a landmark chapter in the Bible. It's a real landmark chapter because it widens out the, uh, the food restrictions. and said, hey, listen, those aren't important anymore. And it also widens out who gets included in the message of Christ. It's not just for the house of Israel, is the message from Acts chapter 10. Uh, the message of Jesus is for absolutely everybody in the whole world. That's what Acts 10 is saying. And, and I'm not a Jew, so I'm really grateful for that. Amen? I mean, that's just an awesome thing. We are all included in that widening that happens in Acts chapter 10. Peter then goes ahead and he organizes for them all to get a water baptism uh, straight after they've received Christ and born again, and also straight after they've been baptized in the Spirit. Let's just quickly just jump back and recap so that you're still with me. Peter comes along. 
He presses the starter button on the boiler, as it were. The pilot light of their faith is lit as they listen to his testimony about Jesus. And then pretty much straight away after that, the boiler gets turned on as well, and they are filled with the Spirit. Now, there's a really helpful explanation of what it means to be born again that Jesus gives to a religious teacher, a guy called Nicodemus. And it's in John's Gospel. Uh, you might want to jump there in your U version, or you, it'll be there on your U version notes. Uh, or if you've got a physical Bible, do just jump there. From John, cha- John chapter 3, uh, verse 1. And it, it says this um, There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. It's quite sort of cryptic description there from Jesus to Nicodemus, and he asks sensible questions, it seems to me. Um, I'm the kind of dad that wanted to be there uh, at the birth of all of my children. Uh, And so uh, when uh, George arrived and then when Simon arrived and then when Adam arrived, I was in the hospital and I wanted to be kind of there alongside Chloe holding her hand. Not sure she wanted me there all the time holding her hand, but I wanted to be there and be a present, wanted to be there and be a present. I am going to switch across to this if that's all right. There we go. Can you hear me okay? Is that all right? Great. Hopefully we won't get quite so much interference. Right. So yes. Um... Uh, I wanted to be there at the birth of my children, and uh, it, it was really, really important. I mean, dads, I really want to just encourage you, if you get that opportunity, please take it. Don't miss out on it. It's so, so important uh, to be there. But seeing the struggle and the pain and the agony that Chloe went through uh, to have our three boys, it really kind of makes you appreciate that it's a one-way process and out into the world. You don't kind of want that to be reversed. It seems to be a very, very difficult process. Um, uh, any midwives in the house at all? There was one midwife in the first service, and she didn't put her hand up. And I rebuked her in the break for being, for being too humble. So we just want to say to you midwives, we appreciate you all so, so much. Don't midwives do an awesome job? Uh, what a great, great job. Yeah, let's give all of our midwives who are not putting their hands up a round of applause. And for any of you midwives that might be watching online, we do really appreciate you because you get mum through a really, really tough time, don't you? Uh, or don't they? they? They just do. And actually, they get dad through a really, really tough time as well. Uh, sometimes that takes the form of outside. <laughs> Ten minutes, go and have a coffee, uh, whatever it might be. The Holy Spirit does something for us that theologians call regeneration. It's a fancy term for rebirth. Uh, so when we're born physically here on earth, we inherit that sinful nature because we all do. We get that from Adam and, and the fact that he sinned back in the beginning. But that sinful nature cuts us off from God and it makes us spiritually dead to God. And there's nothing we can do from our side to overcome that spiritual connection. But then Jesus comes along and in going to the cross, he makes the way for us to be reconnected to him as our heavenly father. And it's then as we place our faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross that the process of regeneration or being born again takes place. In other words, that day that you decided 
yeah, I'm going to receive you, Jesus, into my, li- into my life, that is when the Holy Spirit performed a function called regeneration. You got born again at that point. That's exactly what happens. Um, and it, it's done for us by the Holy Spirit. It's not achieved for us ourselves. Uh, we are born again spiritually so that we can be ready for heaven. So just like our mums uh, bore us and, and we're alive and physically alive, ready for earth, the Spirit needs to re- rebirth us in order that we can then be ready for heaven. That's how it works. And what has happened to Cornelius and his household is that they've said yes to Jesus as in their hearts right as he is speaking, uh, and then uh, they've been uh, baptized in the Spirit, which we'll, we'll look onto that in a minute, but they've been made spiritually new by their responsiveness to Peter's message. You can get saved by making an, 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 an assignment in your heart of, yes, Jesus, I love you, and I want to follow you. You're an amazing person. I want you to be the defining person in my life. We have a culture that is very good at saying what defines it, what defines it don't we? Can I just go on public record and say, I, I, the culture I want for my life is that Jesus defines who I am. I'm not the, I'm, I don't want to be a person who defines that for myself. I just don't. I want it to be Jesus because I look at Jesus' life and I say, your life is way, way better than mine. And therefore, if you can define my life in any way, Jesus, then great, because I know you'll do an awful lot better job than me. That seems to me to make total sense. Paul explains the concept of rebirth and the fact that we become new spiritually on the inside the moment we say yes to Jesus in his letter to Corinthians, the second letter, in fact. Chapter 5, verse 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. So the analogy is, or the picture is, as you were born physically new, the day that your mum gave birth to you, and the day that was your birthday, but in the same way, you are reborn spiritually brand new when the Holy Spirit prompted you to accept Jesus into your life as Lord and Savior. Uh, and as the person you want to follow for the rest of your days. Now, I'm conscious we've got lots of new guests in today. Uh, we've, we seem to have got lots of different new people. I've said hi to a few of you. And uh, hey, should we just give a quick round of applause and a welcome to our new guests? It's really nice to have you with us. We really appreciate it. We thank you. If you're sitting here today and you want to be 100% sure that you have the pilot light of Jesus burning on the inside of you and you're not sure about that yet so that you're definitely going to go to heaven when your physical body dies, which it is going to one day, then what we would do here at BCC is we'd invite you to pray a particular prayer. Um, uh, And you can pray this along with me in your heart right now if you want to. Now, for those of you who are already established Christians and you've made your decisions about Jesus, you can just listen to this prayer. and You kind of know where you stand on this. But maybe there's one or two in the place today where you go, ah, do you know what? I really wouldn't mind just having that refresher of a prayer of what it means to follow Jesus. So this is the kind of prayer we'd pray. Now notice that Peter doesn't do this with Cornelius. It seems that the Spirit just, this, this household is really, really hungry to hear about Jesus. And I reckon about halfway into Peter's message, they just go, yes, Jesus, just like that. And you can get saved that way. That's awesome if you go ahead and do that. But we sometimes help it by praying it. And this is the kind of prayer we would pray. We would say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me for being separated from you and from other people. I receive you into my life as Lord. Please lead me from now on. I surrender to you. I believe that you are alive and that you are with me now. I accept you into my life and uh, and please help me to live for you. Thank you for your gift of eternal life for now and forever. Amen. 
And if you prayed that along uh, with me there uh, in your heart, uh, then, and you've never prayed that before, and you've never received Jesus or decided to follow Jesus, then guess what? <laughs> I've just pressed the starter button, and you have just decided to become a follower of Christ, and you have literally just become born again which is a pretty cool thing to happen spiritually. You might not see it, but if we would go up to you and look through the kind of the little window um, into, the, into the, you know, the innards of your soul, we would see a, a flame is now burning there called Jesus and, and that you've made that decision, which is what I got into ministry for <laughs> in order that people would do that because I think Jesus is great. Do come and see us at the end if you did pray that. In all seriousness, I know I've, I know I've included that prayer in my message, but if you prayed it and you meant it, come and find me at the end. Come and find one of our elders or one of our hosts, and we will pray with you, and we'll be, celebrate that with you. That's great. Um, when I f- finished university in the late 80s, I got a job. And um, for many of us, our jobs can alternate between weekly paid and monthly paid. And I had, I'd always had weekly pay up to then for the different jobs I'd done. But for, in my mind, I felt like I'd really reached a level if I'd got a job with a monthly pay packet. I don't know why that's significant, but I just felt like, oh, yeah, I've made it. I'm getting a monthly salary. Wow. And I got this job, um, and it was in the customer care department at Vauxhall Parts. Vo- you know Vauxhall, the cars? Um, I got the, in, in their head office, they've got a big parts warehouse and a parts department in Dunstable down in Bedfordshire. And I got this job in their head office. Uh, I can tell you're super excited for me and delighted that I got this job. I was delighted, though. This was like, whoa, you know, I've made it into a salaried position. I'm going to have to wait four weeks or, or whatever it was until I get paid. Now, various things about my status changed when I got that job. My status in life changed. Okay, let me take you through some of them. I had access to the Vauxhall Parts main warehouse site with a pass. And I'll just say, <laughs> that was, that, that was I, the first day I used that to get in. I was like, yeah, I belong here. This is, where, this is where I work, people. Look at me going into work through the gate. I could log on to the mainframe. We had like dumb terminals back in those days. This is like, seriously, just like the Matrix. It was all just green text. There was nothing you could do with the terminal itself. It didn't do any processing itself. It was all done at the mainframe in another, in another city. But you could log in and you could get your email and you could order parts and you could look at stock. I mean, it was exciting. It was. Um, I could go into the warehouse physically myself and take a walk and I could go and check the stock in the bins if I wanted to. Um, I would get waved onto the site by security if I was in a car. I could just show my pass through the windscreen of the car, and I could get waved in. I had the authority to dispatch parts to dealers anywhere in the country, and in fact, around the world. That's quite a significant amount of um, authority for a 21-year-old. <laughs> you know, you, I could send kits if I wanted to, like a bumper kit. Uh, I could send, a, you know, like a, a Vauxhall Cavalier, I think was the car at the time. I could send a bumper kit for a Vauxhall Cavalier out to Spain if I needed to. Um, some of you are thinking, man, I don't even know what you're talking about, Pastor Nick. But um, <laughs> I had a title, and the title was Customer Care Assistant. And I walked like I was a customer care assistant. I was proud. I had a new status because of my new job. Now, I give you that illustration in that picture because you get a new status when you're born again. You get a brand new status when you're born again. All sorts of things are now different as a result of you being born again into the kingdom of God. They are substantially and totally different and way, way, way more than just a, like a cool job for a, somebody who's just out of uni for the first time. We become sons and daughters of God himself. 
we are able to call on God uh, as our Heavenly Father in a direct and personal way. We're able to have deep experiences and encounters with God. We become loads more secure in our identity because we know that we belong to God. We have our eyes opened to significant spiritual realities in a new way. We are able to tell what is really going on at a much deeper level in God's Word. That's a new status that we have once we are saved. We're able to develop um, a personal friendship with Jesus more and more and more. We get to know who he is. We undergo a personal transformational journey and we start becoming more and more like Jesus ourselves. We get a greater compassion for other people. I like to think I was a kindish kind of a person before I got saved, but it was on a whole different level when I first became a Christian. Um, my compassion level started to try and copy and mirror Jesus' compassion level. Now, I'm nowhere near where Jesus is at in terms of compassion, but at least I'm on that journey, and I know that he's taking me more and more to be like him because I belong to him because I am born again. We also experience a fantastic unity with other, peoples in the church, other people in the church, don't we? Um, you know, I feel like completely at home. I hope you feel at home here, but we feel really at home with you, and we feel like that you're just sisters in Christ coming, coming to tell us something great that you're doing and that we can help you with. I hope that when you walk into different churches around the world, that when you arrive there, you feel at home, because you should, because you're in the family now. You're part of the family of God. And also, we become a lot more able and a lot more willing to tell people about Jesus. These are all new status points that start to apply to us the moment that we become born again. So it's not just a job, it's like a whole different status that we have. That pilot light is now lit on the inside of you, and you are spiritually alive, spiritually alive and no longer dead spiritually. It's completely different. Now, uh, let's just talk to you, uh, talk a little bit, let's talk a bit about the baptism in the Spirit. It's entirely possible... To believe in Jesus and to be his follower and to be a really great follower of Jesus, but not yet have experienced baptism in the Spirit. That is possible, or not being filled with the Spirit. Now, all believers receive the Holy Spirit when they accept the Lord Jesus as Lord and Savior, but as a Pentecostal church and as Pentecostal people, we believe that there's a separate infusion or filling up process or dousing process by the Spirit, which is known as baptism in the Spirit. And let me just take you to a brief story in Acts chapter 19. Paul discovers a group of people, a group of disciples in Ephesus who've not received everything that they needed yet uh, for their journey of discipleship. And so he proceeds to give them uh, some ministry to help them on their way. And this is what happens. You can pick this up with me from Acts uh, chapter 19 verse 1. It says this, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior, interior regions and came to Ephesus. He found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No, they told him. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. I mean, man, that's, that's a really big thing. If you've not even heard of the third person of God. Into what then were you baptized? He asked them. Into John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John, uh, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people that they should believe in the one who would come after him. That is, in Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began to speak in tongues and to prophesy. 
Now, there were about 12 men in all. Now, that, that's a key story at Acts chapter 19, verse, uh, versus, you know, the beginning of Acts 19. And the sequence of that story is as follows. First of all, this group of people were John's disciples. They'd clearly gone out to the Jordan and been baptized and repented from sin. And um, then they got baptized in water as Paul talked to them about what it meant to follow Jesus. Uh, and they received Jesus. And that meant that they were then pilot-like people. They'd got Jesus on the inside of them. They were born again. But then after that, there was a subsequent thing that happened, which was they got filled with the Holy Spirit as Paul laid hands on them and he prayed for them to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that's an experience that I want us as BCC to start to go on a little bit in our journey. Uh, I don't know what our spiritual makeup and background is like necessarily. I think lots of us have come from different kinds of church expressions. But BCC is a Pentecostal church, and we believe strongly in the person, work, and ministry of the Holy Spirit. And that includes occasionally being filled up with the Spirit. In fact, ideally, being filled up with the Spirit every day. That would be awesome for us to be filled up with the Spirit daily. Um, so we, one of the reasons that we're offering this series and, uh, and going through what it means to be uh, somebody who knows about the Holy Spirit um, is we're going to give you that opportunity to come down the front or perhaps just in your chair where you are to receive baptism in the Spirit. And we're going to offer that pretty much each Sunday between now uh, and, the, uh, and Pentecost Sunday. I would say, in fact, that it's key to your life as a Christian that you know how to ask the Spirit to fill you up and that you receive his infilling. That's really key. That's really helpful. Um, something that we've just implemented, and I hope you have this as a reminder on your phones at two o'clock now, um, is the three-part little prayer that we're praying. Um, every day between now and Pentecost Sunday, we're going to pray a three-part little prayer all together at 2 p.m. And I've got to say, the times I've prayed it, I've really felt the Spirit move. I think it's the power of everybody doing it together. Uh, if you miss that, please put a reminder in your phone for 2 p.m. to pray for the following three things. Just a, it's just a short little three-part arrow prayer. It goes like this. Lord God, I worship you. Holy Spirit, please fill me up. And Lord Jesus, please save. And then it's got dot, dot, dot. And then you supply the people around you in your world that you'd love to meet Jesus, that you know don't, don't yet know Jesus. And for me, over the last week or so, that's been a variety of different people. I've prayed for people in my family. I've prayed for um, uh, different people I used to know from work. Um, we've just had our road tarmacked outside our house. And I, I found myself on uh, Friday, I think it was, praying for the guys tarmac in the road that they would somehow get to know Jesus. Um, you know, maybe that, that would involve me going out there with cake, uh, maybe made by Chloe. Not, my cake's not great. Um, uh, and meeting them. I don't know. You know, there's lots of different ways. But the minute you start praying for people you then start to become involved in God's solution to that prayer, don't you? <laughs> he asks you to help. I want to bring you a little bit of an illustration, a slightly different analogy than the boiler and the pilot light idea. Um, I want to give you an illustration of um, being kind of a Christian and then being filled with the Spirit from this marigold washing up glove. Okay? So this is you as a Christian. Okay? You might not believe this. You might be a bit upset that you're kind of flippy floppy. But this, this is you as a Christian, okay? That, that, let, just go with me on this, okay? Uh, so this is you. This is you, you're, you're newly saved. You're really excited about Jesus. Um, but you're not necessarily super effectual yet, but you're very enthusiastic. Um, uh, now, you're wanting Jesus to move more in your life. You're wanting to encounter Jesus more. And so you come to a series at BCC where they talk about the Holy Spirit and how you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you decide, yeah, do you know what? I'm going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, so, should we try that? Let's just see if we can fill you up with the Holy Spirit. 
There we go. You came down the front. You got prayed for by somebody uh, in the prayer team. They laid hands on you. And look at that. You are now filled with the Spirit. That's glorious, isn't it? Well, come on. Yeah, 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 that's all right, isn't it? I mean, that's just good, isn't it? And, and there you are, now filled with the Spirit. Uh, and that's really good. But the only difficulty with that is kind of over the week, you know, you kind of like, oh, you're kind of back to your kind of normal saved self, aren't you? You're not quite as full and as on fire for God. And so what you do is you come back the following Sunday and you ask the Spirit to fill you up again. And he does it because he's just such a gent and he wants to help you out. So let's just fill you up with the Holy Spirit again. Hold on a minute. And there you are. You are absolutely delighted. The Spirit's filled you up. You're full of power. You're full of energy. You're excited and stuff. And you're on cloud nine until Wednesday. But unfortunately on Wednesday, you accidentally sin. <laughs> and the spirit, the spirit does a runner. And actually, the Spirit doesn't do a runner. The Spirit <laughs> kind of has to stay with you. And he says, you need to sort that out. <laughs> Come on. He speaks to your conscience about what, how you've sinned. And he says, now let's fix that. And what you do is you keep coming back and you keep coming back and you keep on asking the Spirit to fill you up. And the Spirit keeps on filling you up. And what happens is over the years, slowly, Christ starts to form in you. Christ starts to be the person who occupies that space on the inside of you more and more and more. And so it's not just a kind of a, it's not just a wild experience or a pumped up thing that happens occasionally. What happens is Jesus gets to live on the inside of you increasingly. And this is what then happens. You have Jesus now on the inside of you. And that's more permanent. And guess what? That can do more effective things. That can grab things. That can do things. That can, there's lots and lots of things that can be done with Jesus on the inside of your marigold. To use a crazy analogy that I would never, ever have thought of using. <laughs> do, you get the, do you get the illustration, though? You can be filled with the Spirit over and over again, but what happens with that when that happens over and over again is that gradually Christ becomes the person who occupies the inside of you more and more and more. Amen? I'm going to ask the worship team just to come on up. Would you come and join us, Kevin? Thank you so much. We're going to sing one more time. I'm going to ask all of you guys to stand with me just as we prepare to worship one more time. And just as the, uh, the worship team are beginning to lead us or getting ready to lead us in worship, I'm going to ask you to do something. Um, there's a couple of options here. If you want to come down to the front and to kind of put your hands out and to have someone pray over you uh, to, to receive the Spirit and to be filled with the Spirit, that would be absolutely our pleasure. But i also conscious that this is a fairly new thing maybe for some of us, and we might be thinking, oh, man, I don't want to come down the front, and I'm not sure what that might look like. I understand that. And so maybe might, what you might want to do is to stand perhaps in your seats and just hold your hands out. Um, so if you want to do that and if you want to receive a touch from the Spirit today, if you want to be filled with the Spirit, experience something of, that, of the Spirit's power in not just pilot-like Christianity but boiler Christianity, then I'm going to ask you to just hold your hands out a moment. We're going to go into a time of worship as well. Would you pray with me a minute? Holy Spirit, I just pray that for all the people here in this room that want something more from the Lord God today, 
I pray that you'd meet that need. We thank you for the thirst and the hunger and the keenness in the household of Cornelius. And I pray today that we would have that same enthusiasm to receive from you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move in this place. And I pray that you would move online to those watching us uh, from home. Would you come and fill up those people who've got their hands out, Lord? Would you come and touch them by your spirit? Would they feel your presence strongly right now? We trust you, Holy Spirit. We're open to you. We're thirsty for more of you, Holy Spirit. Come and move amongst us. We receive you, Holy Spirit, right now. Holy Spirit is just beginning to move amongst some of us and he's showing you those signs that for those of us who recognize moves of the Spirit and and the presence of God's Spirit, perhaps some of you are recognizing some of those signs, but maybe for some of you, this might be a new thing and you might feel a warmth or a, a strong sense of God's love. You might feel a bit wobbly in your body, a bit shaky, maybe a bit weak in your knees, but just go with it. You might feel quite emotional. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd come and minister amongst your people in this house today. Come and be with us, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you in this place. Just keep that open, keep that openness, keep that awareness. And we're going to sing now for a little bit. But just keep on being open. Keep on inviting the Spirit in. Thank you.